Intel CEO warns of a possible semiconductor crisis on the way. Adobe falls on Q1 results. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day. A major acquisition in the cannabis space. Oil negatively correlated to the market for the first time since 2001. We talk about the impacts of this negative correlation. Walmart with a major lawsuit and another financial firm digging deeper in the digital asset space. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast powered by Pounding The Table. I'm your host, Luke Denae, and we're going to get right into what in the world the markets are doing and the biggest headlines of the day. So first off, the markets ending the day down with the Dow Jones down 448 points, NASDAQ down 186, and the S&P 500 down 55 points. Not all too bad. You go sector by sector. And what was leading the way to the downside today? Well, financials, healthcare, and technology, the hardest hit three sectors on the day. Meanwhile, energy very much outperforming, actually moving to the upside 1.94%. Now, getting into the biggest headlines of the day. What in the world is going on surrounding the market? Well, to touch on the semiconductor industry, we got some major commentary out of Intel CEO Pat Gelslinger, and he actually warned um, the Congress and he warned people and he really warned investors also what in the world will happen if the United States and the U.S. government do not take proper actions when it comes to the semiconductor industry. So, in an interview with CNBC's Squawk Box, he said, quote, or reserves have defined geopolitics for the last five decades. Where the fabs or factories are for a digital future is more important. Let's build them where we want them and define the world that we want to be part of in the U.S. and Europe. So pretty much what he is saying there is that semiconductors are starting to become like oil. They are a necessity and they are a huge player in central role in the future of digital, in the digital future that we are heading into and already very much in. He talked about how fabrication plants, or fabs for short, are already shorthanded, and that a lot of the current manufacturing of semiconductors is being done in Asia, specifically Taiwan. Now, why is that a major worry of Intel CEO? Well, the concentration of manufacturing in Taiwan is a major concern because the country right next to it China and Beijing claims that Taiwan is pretty much theirs, and they've been upping their military presence surrounding the country. So a lot of aggressiveness coming out of China is making not only Intel CEO worried, but the broader industry that the centralized manufacturing, specifically in Taiwan and Asia, is not a good thing. And he is really arguing for the fact that they need to build more U.S. factories for semiconductors need to build more European factories for semiconductors. And if they don't, you could potentially see some major issues in the semiconductor industry in the years ahead. Now, he is not saying this simply based on uh, his opinion in a big nothing burger. I mean, obviously, it's his opinion, but he's not hypocritical here. In fact, he talks about how Intel is actually making moves to improve this issue themselves already. In fact, in recent months, Intel actually announced a massive investment to build new factories or fabs for short in the United States and Europe. 
They've already started work last year on two new chip factories in Arizona. So the company and Pat Gilslinger is very much taking action. He's not just talking out one side and doing nothing on the other. He is taking action, sees this as a major issue, and therefore Intel is making a push here for more U.S. and European manufacturing of semiconductors. Now, this also comes ahead of basically the U.S. Senate supporting a $52 billion subsidy plan for the semiconductor industry. We already had uh, the Senate in June and the House in February approve the $52 billion in subsidies in separate bills, according to sources. So then we had last week President Joe Biden saying, get it to my desk as quickly as you can. So the government's very much working on getting those subsidies and boosting manufacturing here in the United States of semiconductors and helping those industries build out new manufacturing outputs here in the United States and Europe. But he is essentially saying that this needs to start to happen now. Otherwise, we could have major issues in the future. Now, one final note on Gesslinger's comments. He also talked about how the Russian conflict or the conflict between Ukraine and Russia is affecting semiconductors already. He said, quote, while the Russia-Ukraine situation is central to any of the supply chains for semiconductors, it just reinforces the geopolitical instability and the urgency around building supply chains that are geographically balanced. The United States, Europe, and Asia, and far more resilient for the digital future. So he's very worried about the digital future. He wants to build out new supply chains that are more reliant than the ones we currently have. And obviously, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, we have seen how basically bad those supply chains for semis are. They're not the best. And he is arguing that they need to be better. He rounded out his statement with everything digital runs on semiconductors. And it is just essential that we build these fabs where we want them. So he has made the argument and he continues to make the argument that we need stronger semiconductor supply chains, more manufacturing of semiconductors in the United States and Europe. And that is the commentary we got today out of Mr. Pat Gislinger. Now, shifting into Adobe earnings Q1. So Q1, Adobe earnings, what did they report? Well, the stock did fall on results. In fact, if you took a minute here and you typed in Adobe on your iPhone or wherever you look at individual stocks, you'll see that Adobe was down 9%, actually just over 9.34% today on their Q1 results. Now, Why did it move down when they beat expectations? Well, we're going to get into that. So Adobe reported quarterly earnings of $3.37 per share, which beat the estimate of $3.34 per share and also beat the report just a year ago of $3.14 per share. So a year-over-year improvement and beating expectations. Nothing negative about that. They also posted pretty darn solid revenues, $4.26 billion for the quarter ended February 2022 or February 22nd, 2022. So very much positive results there, which surpassed the estimate by 0.74%. So really the revenue numbers were also solid and also year over year that represents 9% growth and on an adjusted basis, 17% growth year over year. So the numbers were solid there. So why is Adobe moving to the downside on these results? Well, as many know, it's really not about the most recent quarter's earnings. It's more about guidance in the upcoming quarters ahead when it comes to earnings and the reactions based on earnings. So Adobe actually had the lower guidance when it came to fiscal 2022, mostly due to, surprisingly, and you wouldn't think this right off, the Russia and Belarus issue 
and Ukraine. So that whole entire issue over in Ukraine between Russia is just not going great when it comes to Adobe either. And you wouldn't expect this at first, but it is because Adobe announced on March 4th that they are no longer going to be selling their products in Russia and Belarus, which creates a major financial hit. In fact, Adobe said it was now going to be reducing its annual recurring revenue by $75 million for fiscal 2022 because of the pullback out of Russia and Belarus. And that is why you saw the stock drop 10% because their ARR was getting hit due to the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And that is your update on Adobe earnings. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had Morgan Stanley resuming block or resumes block as equal weight. Now, what did they have to say about Block or previously known as Square? They go on to say, quote, we see benefits from the acquisition of buy now, pay later provider after pay and large market opportunities across Square's business or Block's business. However, we think growth is priced in and prefer a firm in a cheap capital environment. So Morgan Stanley reiterating, pretty much reiterating Block as equal weight not overweight, not underweight, equal weight. So they're pretty much neutral on it. And they highlight the fact that they like a firm more because they seem to be cheaper in this cheap capital environment. We also had JMP reiterating Robinhood as market perform. The firm went on to say, quote, Robinhood announced the launch of a new debit card that will replace its existing cash management product. Bottom line, we are optimistic about the opportunity for Robinhood and encouraged to see the offering rolling out on schedule. So in short, JMP likes the new features in this new debit card that Robinhood is rolling out. And therefore they are reiterating the name as market outperform after a significant drawdown in recent months. We also had City reiterating NVIDIA as a buy the permanent stake. Well, we expect new products launch in September to be the next catalyst for the gaming market. We remain buy rated on the stock and view it as the best product cycle self-help play in 2022. So City liking the upcoming new products that are possible out of NVIDIA and therefore reiterating it as a buy. We also had Cohen reiterating Netflix as outperformed today. The firm went on to say, quote, on 316, Netflix announced testing of a new feature in three LATAM countries to address password sharing. By the way, that acronym is LATAM. So subs can add up to two extra members for two to three dollars per month. This could expand to other geographies in the future. Our proprietary data suggests 10% of U.S. broadband households include someone who can access Netflix but is not a paying sub. Our analysts suggest a global rollout could drive 4% upside to our 2023 revenue estimates. So in essence, Cohen liking what they see with this new potential feature that would in essence allow a Netflix subscriber to add more users for two to three extra dollars per month. And they believe that this will increase revenues or drive up sales, possibly 4% upside to their 2023 revenue estimates. So this is something to know, a potential new feature coming out in other geographies for Netflix. We also had Jeffries reiterating Starbucks as a buy the permanent on this quote. We view the recent pullback in Starbucks stock as unwarranted and largely an overreaction to temporary and or non-material events, unionization, China, guidance overhang, and recent CEO departures as a void. So 
Jeffries liking Starbucks stock, pretty much saying all these recent short-term negative catalysts, you need to get them out of your head and you just need to buy the stock because it is at a good price. And we believe longer term that the company is going to do quite well and you need to see through the basically short-term volatility. We also had Atlantic Equities reiterating meta platforms as overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, however, we believe meta continues to make progress restoring and ad targeting measurement capabilities and more structurally company's reach and effectiveness for driving unplanned purchases remains unrivaled. So Atlantic Equity is pretty much saying, look, meta platforms, Facebook, as they were previously known, still has the best technology when it comes to social media. And we are still liking the name, reiterating it as overweight. And then our final analyst call of the day was out of Wells Fargo, reiterating Amazon as overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, despite those slowing e-commerce trends last year, we expect the shift to e-commerce is likely to stick and Amazon as the number one apparel retailer in the country. Remains the 800-pound gorilla in the space with clear ambitions to take ongoing share in the category. And that was all the analyst calls for the day. Some major ones in there, Meta Platforms, Amazon, NVIDIA, Square. Man, some big calls today. We also had a major acquisition in the cannabis space, one of the biggest since this industry really started to blossom. So according to Bloomberg, there's a deal between Cresco Labs that plans to buy Columbia Care for $2 billion, which will make it, as I said, one of the largest cannabis industry mergers to date. So this is a major deal for many people that are big into the cannabis industry. Now, you take a look at this company, and Cresco Chief Executive Officer Charles Batchelor, in an interview, noted that this combined company, which he will lead, by the way, will expand Cresco's presence on, quote, to 17 states, plus the District of Columbia, and up to 10 states. So, this is really big um, for the marijuana industry. This is big-time expansion in the cannabis space, I should say. And this is all according to Bloomberg. Now, we really dig into what Mr. Batchel said, and he goes on to say, quote, this is how you turn brands like High Supply, Cresco, and Flora Cal into Miller High Life, Coca-Cola, and Johnny Walker Blue Label. So, really, that explains what he's going for here with this major merger, is he's going for turning Cresco into a big-time major massive brands like a Coca-Cola or a Miller High Life company. So that's really his goal is to make his brand mainstream with this new acquisition. Now, it is important to note that Columbia Care Investors, they will be receiving 0.5579 of the subordinate voting share in Cresco. This is according to Bloomberg. And this brings the total value of the deal to around $2 billion as of Tuesday's closing price, which is roughly a premium of about 16% for Columbia Care shareholders. And it also gives them roughly 35% of Crisco stock. So this is some big time news for a new industry, a major acquisition in the cannabis space. Now, shifting into this negative correlation between oil and the broader markets that is occurring for the first time since 2001, nearly two decades, people. This is big time stuff. So the correlation between the S&P 500 energy index and the S&P 500 has gone negative for the very first time since 2001, all the way back in 2001, 
when we also saw um, the basically market coming out of a major fall off when it comes to technology. So that is something to know. Either way, shifting into what this all means. So first, I'm going to give you the data. The energy sector has climbed roughly 39% this year. The S&P 500 is down roughly 6% this year. And the S&P 500 Information Technology Index is down right around 10% this year. So massive diversion between energy names and the S&P 500 in broader technology markets. Now, if you shift into really what this all means, according to analysts across the street, they say that divergence such as this historically is what precedes a recession. Yes, that's right. The big bad word recession. So this is once again, another indicator, possibly forcing people to look at the chances of a recession in the coming years. Now, shifting into what Commodity Context founder Rory Johnston had to say to Bloomberg about this issue, he said, quote, with oil prices going as high as they have, that's going to be positive for energy stocks and negative for the rest of the overall economy. We also got commentary out of Stifle Nicholas analyst James Hodgkins. He goes on to say, quote, the relationship will normalize again, most likely on the downside for energy prices to fall significantly. We could be talking about a recessionary type situation in which case the S&P 500 would also likely fall significantly and therefore the correlation would come into positive territory again. So, Overall, a summary of all those comments and data, what this diversion between oil and the broader market means is that we could possibly have a recession upcoming. This is just another indicator that analysts have historically used because this type of diversion is typically seen or has preceded recessions. And to get this divergence back out to positive, so basically to reverse this divergence, we're likely going to see a major market sell-off or a further sell-off, and then that correlation would go back to positive. So this is just all something to note. This is just another data point when analyzing the markets, but I found it very interesting um, that in essence, you have this major divergence and it usually precedes recessions. And given the topic that many have been discussing of late, you know, yield curve inversion, recession upcoming, we've been seeing those headlines for the past few weeks. So this is just another data point on that issue. And then finally, shifting into our final few headlines, Walmart suing BJ's wholesale and claiming that in essence, BJ's stole proprietary technology that is popular for self-checkout options at Sam's Club and Walmart. So via their mobile app, by the way. So they filed this lawsuit in federal court. It's Walmart claiming that their technology that they worked years on to develop called Scan and Go was stolen by BJ's Wholesale and used on their, basically their own similar contactless checkout offering called Express Pay in 2021. Walmart alleges on quote, that the innovations were simply taken without permission. They go on to say in the lawsuit, quote, Express Pay is an apparent copy of Sam's Club's Scan and Go, merely changing the in-app colors and changing the name from Scan and Go to Express Pay. So they're basically saying that BJ's Wholesale wholeheartedly and pretty much entirely straight copied what they worked on in their app, their contactless checkout system within their app for years and that they have patents on this and that BJ's basically 
came in and completely infringed on their patent and therefore they're filing this lawsuit. It's definitely going to be a headline to keep up with. You often don't see these big time headlines and lawsuits between major companies like this. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And then finally, financial firm Cohen unveiling a digital assets unit. That's right. Another financial firm digging even deeper into the world of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. So this new unit is going to be called Cohen Digital. It's Connecticut-based, and they offer cryptocurrency trading to institutional investors. They also offer custodial solutions via their partnership with PolySign's standard custody and trust company, according to BlockWorks. Now, we did get some commentary out of Cohen Digital. They went on to say, quote, Cohen Digital's team has had calls with hundreds of potential clients, including crypto native firms, asset allocators, and multi-strategy head funds looking to participate in the space. So it sounds like a lot of business is coming to Cohen's way in their digital asset unit. Now, once again, they did partner with PolySign last May to offer its digital clients or to offer its clients easier access to crypto. And then also Dan Charney, who is the co-president of the bank, he also said in a statement on Wednesday that Cohen Digital has been turning crypto on the behalf of his clients actually for several months, which was an interesting note, I thought. Now, the division or Cohen's crypto digital team will be trading and has been trading and is currently trading cryptocurrencies that include Bitcoin, Chainlink, Uniswap, Polygon, Ethereum, and Decentraland. So some big time news coming out of Cohen. And one last note on this issue that I found extremely interesting, especially if you're a crypto nerd like me, Cohen Digital will be seeking to offer financial solutions, according to BlockWorks, derivatives and futures in the future The company also announcing as well that they are going to be, quote, introducing institutional DeFi and NFT access. Yes, that's right. So now a major financial firm is getting in on DeFi and NFT access, calling it, quote, institutional DeFi. I like that term. Definitely very interesting. But either way, it's just another example of the adoption of a big time and new industry. Now, that is the show. Thank you for listening. But I want to remind you all to go listen to my boys over at Pounding the Table, my fellow team members, my friends. You can listen to them anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please go and give me and my team a listen and follow at Running With The Money on Instagram and Facebook or anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as at Luke Denae on Twitter. Go give me a follow, at me. Let me know what you like about the show and what you want to see on the show. And if you want a name analyzed, we'll do a full write-up on it. Either way, easily profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.